0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 5th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Many of the terror plots stopped by the FBI have turned out to be largely orchestrated by the agency itself as they help people without means and opportunity take conspiracies further than they would have gone on their own. John Mueller is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. He spoke at an event this April on terror plots and how the FBI does its job. Yeah, What I've been doing is a set of case studies that Ben mentioned um, which are uh, of every case since 9/11 in which there has been an Islamist terrorist who has either who has apparently tried to do damage within the United States. This would include not only terrorists in the United States, like the Hamburg people, uh, by the uh, Newburgh people, but also the um, uh, people of, like the shoe bomber and so forth, people who based overseas. So there's 70. There's now 70 cases, and there's a flyer out there. If you didn't pick it up. Uh, with 69 cases, but one just happened over the weekend, so there are now 70 cases that we'll be looking at, and most of them have fully developed case studies. Uh, there is one for this case written by David Bernstein. They're mostly written by uh, advanced uh, um, honor students at Ohio State. Uh, Bernstein is now at the university at the, in the law school at uh, Washington University in St. Louis. Um, and so, uh, and I'm also been putting these together not only for this book but also for a forthcoming book with Mark Stewart called Chasing Ghosts that Ben also mentioned and trying to uh, come to many of the same conclusions of which you, you've already heard. Um, the, uh, the case seems to be fairly unique. This particular case is special in, in several respects, but two in particular stand out to me. Uh, one is the first time the FBI actually went to actually have them push the button. Uh, previously when they had informants, by the way, of, of the 70 cases or so, more than half of them have inside, have informants, people working in the plot, not just looking at it from outside surveilling it, but actually looking within the plot. Um, and of the, the 19 cases since um, 2010 or so, the 19 cases in this decade, uh, 15 of them have been uh, types with, with, the, uh, with an informant working inside. At any rate, in, in the early days, they're basically just getting information about this guy who wants to do something. and Then they're trying to bring court cases. Then it got closer to actually giving them weapons or having to take weapons. For example, there's a case in Rockford, Illinois, in which a guy decided he was going to uh, really push the Islamic revolution forward. And his brilliant plan of this was to plant a hand grenade in a trash can in a uh, mall in Rockford, Illinois. He said, "I'll do that, and everybody, all the all the uh, Muslims will rise up." Um, and so the FBI informant said, well, you need hand grenades, right? And I just have, have a couple to sell, um, and uh, you can have them and put them in the trash can if you want, but uh, you, have to, you have to pay me $100. The guy said, well, actually, I don't have $100. Uh, so then they said, well, what do you have? Well, I have a couple of old stereo speakers. So he exchanged the ter- stereo speakers for the bogus grenades uh, and then was arrested. Uh, the next step was in, in Newburgh, uh, in, uh, in the Newburgh case, uh, was the case where they actually went beyond that. He takes possession of the weapons and then puts them in something and actually presses the button or dials a f- cell phone to push it off. And they've also advanced somewhat since that time. Also, they do give, in more recent cases, the, uh, the opportunity for the uh, uh, people that they're working with to back out. Uh, so they frequently say, and they record this very carefully uh, to uh, cover that issue, uh, you don't have to do this. You can do, you just do protest, or you could go to another country and do something. You don't have to do this. Uh, so they do. Uh, they more recently have been uh, doing that. And anyway, that, that, that was one, the, the pressing the button was the first case, sort of making it easier to uh, prosecute overall. Um, and um, there's also a, um, a, a, another major difference is basically with the, the judge, as far as I know, this is the only case in which the judges have really, in their judgments, their official statements, have really blasted the police for what they've been doing. And uh, the, uh, Colleen um, um, uh, McMahon, who's a graduate of Ohio State University, as it turns out, and then she later descended into being uh, uh, going to the uh, Harvard, gradu- Harvard Law School. Uh, but anyway, she's a federal judge there. Um, and she completely, repeatedly lambased the, the thing. Let me give you, give you the plot. It turns out the government did absolutely everything that the defense predicted in its previous motion to dismiss this indictment. The government indisputably manufactured the crimes, of which his uh, defendant stand convicted, um, and they did all the details. There's not the slightest doubt in my mind that James Cromartie could never have dreamed of the scenario, which actually became, he actually became involved in, and if by some chance he did, he would not have had the slightest idea of how to make it happen. Uh, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, which is extreme, you know, not vague doubt, but beyond a shadow of a doubt, that there would never have been a crime here except the government instigated it, planned it, and brought it to fruition. Uh, She also points out a couple of ingenious things that the government did do. One was um, they basically made it so that these guys would get their weapons in Connecticut. So that made it a federal case because he went outside of New York. Uh, and the other thing they did was, essentially, pursue the idea of bombing with a Stinger missile, uh, shooting a plane which presumably on the ground with nobody in it. It was flying. These guys would never in a million years be able to hit it. Uh, they probably couldn't hit it even if they are standing right next to it on the ground. But at any rate, um, she then basically, uh, uh, they, they did this, this Stinger missile thing, which, um, uh, as was pointed out earlier, may, it comes with a minimum 25-year sentence. If you, if you try to take down an airplane or planning to do it. So in many respects, the government made that happen because they didn't have to do the Singer missile. They could have done something else like blowing up a bridge or something like it was originally there. Um, the um, the uh, Chromat uh, was incapable of committing an act of terrorism on his own um, and uh, the 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 uh, informant was the prime mover instigator of the all the criminal activity at any rate th- that's very unusual to have that happen the, the the case really came out there. I think she was basically trapped and she gave the minimum sentence it was twenty five years because she legally could not give a lower sentence after the uh, because there was a real crime committed as the jury had had decided um Okay, um, the, um, let me turn to a different issue, uh, which is uh, the, there are really bad people out there, and they do want to kill people sometimes, and they certainly talk about it. Uh, what should the FBI do? And what I'd like to do is advance a proposition, uh, which is in the Chasing Ghost books, and it's also written up in uh, real clear defense over the weekend, an op-ed I did, uh, along with uh, Mark Stewart. Um, basically, the idea was to do a... Um, uh, 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 you've got people like Chromaty who are talking the talk. Uh, and so the issue is what can you do against that? And it seems to me a possibility. Just tell them to scare them. And let me give you three cases, three, three bits of evidence, which I think thinks that, w- that it makes me think this would basically work with these kinds of knuckleheads, essentially. Um, uh, first of all, there's one case in the, uh, in the, in the um, case book which started to come in and I said, oh my God, it isn't really a terrorism case. We shouldn't have had a student even do it. But the more it came in, the more interesting it became and it became perhaps the most interesting case, case 39 to be exact. It happened here in Washington. Uh, There was a guy uh, who was on Facebook. A lot of these guys are on Facebook looking for people to help them. I mean, really brilliant, you know, way of keeping yourself secret. Um, They usually get three calls. The first one says, you're an idiot. The second one says, don't do it. And the third one says, I just happen to have, from an FBI informant, I just happen to have this car bomb in my garage and I'm looking for someone to help me along with it and we could make beautiful terrorism music together. Let's get together. So that, that's a fairly common procedure. Uh, seemingly in the last two cases, uh, that was the case as well, they were on Facebook. Um, um, but um, the, uh, anyway, he, he gets on Facebook and is doing all this jihadist blather and he gets some correspondence. So one is a woman in New Orleans um, and he sort—he gets madder and madder about uh, things, and he, he talks about how we took down the twin towers and so forth. So it's not trivial stuff; it's pretty scary stuff in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, then she talks to the FBI, and he believes that she probably has talked to the FBI. He calls her a bitch and gets really mad and says, "Tomorrow, I'm going to plant a bomb on the metro in New York, in Washington. He's in Northern Virginia." Uh, in, on the bomb in, 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 in me- on the metro and tell your dad, her father worked in Washington, so she, he said, uh, tell your dad not to, fl- to get on the metro tomorrow because it's going to be blown up by me. So she tells this to the FBI and goes back to the police obviously up here um, and the FBI people up here and uh, so they have a real dilemma. This guy is probably just a mindless blowhard um, um, and, um, and so the question is uh, do you, if you, you know, just ignore it, the problem is you might be wrong about that and you might actually have it. So they arrested him. Now, if they under the old days, what they could have done is they could have infiltrated an informant who says, you know, what do you got? You know, let's, let's talk about it. maybe we can bomb up the, the metro. In fact, there's another case exactly like that, very similar period. Uh, uh, but they didn't have time because obviously he was going to do it the next day. So they arrested him. Uh, then they took him in and they couldn't. Then he hadn't committed very many crimes. Uh, he had done a lot of irresponsible bloviating, but if that were illegal, of course, Washington DC would become depopulated very quickly. Um, so consequently, um, they, uh, they, the only thing they could get him on is making an interstate threat because she was in New Orleans. So basically he came to court and, the, and he got time served. He got a real scare, he got a short time in jail, uh, and then he went back to Northern Virginia where he probably still is. And that worked. You know, just basically scaring them straight. Uh, many of these people, as we've already heard, are basically pretty emotionally immature. They're not hardened terrorists. They're not people of the book, big time. They're not really suicidal in in most cases. The vast majority of the American cases, there's no they're, they're going to plant a bomb and they're going to set it off from a hotel next door with a cell phone. It's not suicidal. Um, and so this guy was scared straight. Okay, what happens is there's another set of cases that are very much like that which is what the Secret Service does when somebody is bloviating about uh, killing the president. What they don't do is they don't send somebody to say, oh, you want to kill the president, too? You know, meet him in the bar and so forth. You know, I hate this president, too. Maybe we could work out a thing where we kill the president together. I have a gun. You have the will. We have to We get him cornered and so forth. Uh, they don't do that. What they do is they go to the guy who's made this bloviation and give him a meaningful visit. They really they essentially scare him. And say, we're on to you, we heard you say that, et cetera, whatever. Um, and then they leave. And if the president then visits the city where this bloviator is, they vi- visit the bloviator again. And that it seems to work perfectly well, it, as the Northern Virginia case. We haven't heard from this guy again. Maybe he'll pop up somewhere, but not. Um, so basically, what you got is a situation is early on, instead of planning an informant, you basically just scare the guy. And because these guys are not very sophisticated, because they're not really terrorists in the big-time sense, like Cromartie, though they are talking the talk, they're talking about how we took down the Twin Towers, I mean, it's not sweet stuff. Uh, They're not innocent in that sense, that they have a chance of being uh, redirected uh, simply by being scared. Not all of them will let this work sometimes it might be a problem uh, it might even scare them into doing something well you know before they could uh, before they really get caught uh, but i think it holds a good chance of of of, of working uh, for a large number of people rather than going through the informant route uh, in which you basically have to int- move these guys into a crime then they get 25 life years one guy got has gotten uh, two or three life terms i mean he won't be out until he's nine, uh, 353 or something Um, And you have to, you know, keep these these guys in jail all the time and pay for their upkeep. Um, So consequently, that might work. And one other piece of evidence is this. Uh, The FBI very frequently uh, finds somebody who's been bloviating um, and they don't have anything really on him. But they can find other things to convict him of, drug charges, particularly immigration charges. And so they call it the Al Capone approach. Al Capone was not arrested for, for racketeering, but for income tax evasion. They get them on something they can get them on, they can't get them on racketeering because they don't have enough evidence, or good enough evidence. Uh, so the Al Capone approach is now used probably about three times more than any other, uh, than the uh, informant case, or bringing the case, of course, actually to trial. Um, And so what you get is a large number, we now have a large number of people who have been talking the talk, never got very far, and then were arrested and tried on something relatively minor. In the case of immigration violations, they can be thrown out of the country, but the rest of them are still here. The jail sentences that they get for relatively small crimes are short, and many of them are out now. Now, we do know who has tried to do terrorism in this case, and nobody who's tried to do terrorism in this country has previously been gone through that routine, being arrested, uh, being scared, getting a very short uh, jail sentence, and then come out and then trying to do terrorism. So that also seems to work uh, extremely well. Um, um, so overall, that's a possibility. It'd be a lot cheaper, it would not get the kind of headlines the FBI seems to enjoy getting, uh, but in many cases, not all, uh, it would probably work to defuse the situation uh, without uh, taking it to this, this extreme step. John Mueller is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.